and welcome to Happy Place, the show that tries to learn how to live more nourishing lives by talking to folks that have been there and done that. This week, we're talking sex with Flo Perry. For most people, the only other vaginas they see are porn vaginas. Mm. And there's literally no other vaginas out there. And so, yeah, it's really hard to accept if your vagina doesn't look like a porn vagina to accept that that's normal. Flo is the daughter of Philippa Perry, who you may remember from the last series of Happy Place, and the artist Grayson Perry. But she is every bit her own woman, as you are about to find out. And as warned, this episode is all about sex. So if you've got little ones around, this might be one for the headphones just for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And now, here's the show. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've interviewed your mum already. Mm-hmm. We need your dad next and we have a full lineup. <laughs> Whole family done. So I was thinking ahead of this episode. So I've done about 60 odd episodes yeah. of Happy Place now. Haven't discussed sex in any shape or form. That's crazy. I know. It's been mentioned maybe ad hoc, mm. but it's not something that we've focused on. And I was thinking, well, why? And maybe because, well, this is exactly why we need to. There is still that you know, thought that it could be awkward or there might be moments where, you know, no one's sure what to say or it's just that kind of, it's still so taboo in such a strange way, yeah. but but everywhere and sort of omnipresent. So it's a really strange, a strange one. And I'm, I'm so glad that we're going to get to talk about it today. Yeah, me too. So you, you wrote and illustrated a brilliant book, which mm-hmm. was excellent, but also made me howl with laughter at times. <laughs> and I love your illustrations. They're fantastic. And it's all about feminist sex. Yeah. So what is feminist sex to you? What does that mean? Feminist sex to me is about having the sex that you want to be having and not the sex that you feel like you should be having because of what society or your parents or the media or porn tells you you should be doing, but actually what you want to do. And it's about having sex with maximum pleasure, free from shame, basically. Yeah, I mean, shame's a big one because it's so, like, guilt, shame, all these weird negative feelings are associated with sex a lot of the time. Why why do you think in this day and age that is still the case? I think because we've had, like, literally millennia and centuries of shame like we've had maybe like a couple of decades where it's been a bit better but it's gonna take more than a couple of decades to like wear off the centuries of this kind of patriarchal control and shame that women have on their sex lives and what is that founded in religion from a very long time ago would you say i don't think you can even like pinpoint it on what it is yeah i think it comes from women being seen as property which you know dates back to the dawn of agriculture like like, you know like uh, people blame religion or they blame uh, you know 
lots of different things but actually it's it's just it's present in every culture and every society like apart from like maybe some matriarchal tribes that have managed to avoid it but you know it's so global that i think that you can't blame one thing for the kind of shame and patriarchal omnipresent yeah because it feels like in many other areas of life in the modern world we we are making moves to eradicate shame or concern around certain things obviously mental health you know there's been a huge movement in the last decade where people do feel able to talk and to share and and it's not as embarrassing or taboo anymore or you don't feel as alienated or ostracized Mm. whereas sex I feel is like it's still back in the dark ages that's why I wanted to write my book is because I felt like the conversation about feminism was like so hip and cool and everyone's talking about the pay gap and stuff but still we like we weren't talking about the fact that it's just kind of accepted that like men can sleep with more women more yeah men can sleep with more people than women can and kind of get away with it without the kind of stigma of being a slag or a slut or anything else that was one of the pages in your book that made me howl with laughter where you had drawn the front cover of a newspaper saying woman found who has slept with the perfect number seven people in her life or something (laughs) I was like that is so brilliant that we have weirdly got this barometer of like what's the right or wrong amount of sex to be having Mm. or sexual partners to have had what the fuck is that about I don't know there's just so many conversations around sex about what we should be doing that kind of skip over like is it fun? Are you having fun? Do you enjoy it? Does it bring you joy in your life? And that doesn't seem to be part of the conversation with sex for women quite a lot. Do you think a lot of that is to do with how women feel about and view their own physical bodies? Uh, I think that that is, is definitely part of it. And I think it's a reason a lot of women don't enjoy sex as much as they could because they're preoccupied by thinking about what they look like. And do they fit into this very narrow definition of what is sexy that the media kind of gives us? When in fact, like, that is a very narrow definition compared to what people actually find sexy, which is everything. You know, whatever you're selling, there's going to be someone who wants to buy it. So I think, yeah, that they kind of, I think like every woman has had a like time when you're having sex and you look down and you think oh no like this isn't what I imagined I look like this isn't what it looks like in porn oh no like I found this patch of hair that I didn't remove and it's distracting and it takes you out the moment and that's really annoying (laughs) yeah it is because like it it should be almost free from any mental rumination just like a, a you know a physical in the moment experience and those things are you know, road bumps, they're the things that do knock you off course or mm. make you lose confidence. And yeah. it can be from things that we've been really sort of socially conditioned to believe are just the norm, like women don't have armpit hair or women don't have pubes. Yeah. Like that's something that we all just go, oh yeah, women don't have armpit hair. And if you do, it's a strange thing. Again, we don't really talk about that or think about that much. Body hair is like, it's such a kind of like cliche basic feminists like oh yeah feminists have armpit hair woo but actually like it's still so controversial among like so many groups of people to have body hair as a woman and I think that that's like really shocking yeah it is very shocking and I think also with the pubic hair thing that's new that's in the last 20 years that's yeah. not been centuries of you it's know all women new. Must... yeah like, that's very new even removing leg hair is only like a hundred years old mm. think of all those long skirts they wore like <laughs> yeah they had like plaited leg hair <laughs> those skirts <laughs> exactly. and, and one thing I, I I loved in your book was you talking about in the, I think it was you said in the Middle Ages, 
the forehead was really celebrated, which I was so happy about because I, you know, we've all got these weird insecurities. I would never, ever walk out the house, in, in the house I would, but never walk out the house with my hair back in a ponytail because I've got such a thing about having a very wide expansive forehead that I don't feel comfortable showing. In like 1503, you would have been like, oh my God. Working it. (laughs) I would have been, that forehead would have been out on show. But it's funny how we see what's culturally shown to us today as that's been there forever. Like no leg hair, no armpit hair, no pubes, or like a thin line of pubic hair and that being it. Whereas back in the day, it would have been, oh my God, shave your eyebrows off, get that forehead as big as you can, have long (laughs) leg hair. Yeah. And we sort of forget that you know, this is just a norm for now. Yeah. It's ephemeral. It's going to go. It's going to go. I think body hair's going to come back in. Mm. That's what I'm hoping anyway. I hope so. Oh, I guess just whatever <laughs> makes you feel comfortable. And then, you know, it does also go into, at times, more really traumatic and sort of tragic forms with, you know, body self-loathing. And I've had it, like most people out there have, where you really feel like your body is wrong or there's something so you know, not okay with it, that it causes you daily angst or or problems. And I, and I wonder how you feel about that, first of all, and also what you think the steps are to trying to remove those um, barriers that you create for yourself with, with self-loathing physically. Yeah, it's, it's a really tricky question. It's like a different journey for everyone. And, and that's another cliche, but it is a, like, every, it is a journey. I still have days where like, I look at something and I'm like, oh, I wish that was different. But I feel like I've come a long way from like, 15 year old Flo who Mm. wanted everything to be different as I think most teenagers feel when like everything starts changing and not in the way you expect it to I think the first step is really thinking like okay so say you're insecure about your tummy for example like the first step is thinking if I had a flatter tummy I wouldn't necessarily be happier Mm. I think people have a hard time believing that one but it's like you're being sold that message yes by people often people are making money out of the fact that they want you to have a flatter tummy yeah and that is a lie like you you know you don't that's not necessarily true it's not necessarily true that if you had a flatter tummy someone would fancy you more Mm. there are lots of people out there who don't like flat tummies in a sexual way and like and then so when you accept that the next stage is like, okay, so how can I feel positively about this and how can I love my not flat tummy? Mm. And I think social media is can be like really poisonous in lots of ways, but one way it's great is that you can create a feed of like images that you've created that aren't edited by like the media on large to a certain extent. And I think that you should try and follow people who look like you now, not like people who you like might want to look like in the future. Mm. So follow people. And there are brilliant like body positive influencers out there who really celebrate all the things that you might feel insecure about. And that really has like helped me to have like a really diverse feed. I'm seeing lots of different types of body be really celebrated. I am exactly the same. I, I consciously follow people I know are going to fill, if I do look at it, my eyes and my brain with stuff that that makes me feel good about just being whoever the hell I am Mm. whatever shape size thoughts I have whatever and and you're right there are some brilliant people that are helping to reverse it but I still don't feel like it's enough there's there's so much to counterbalance the good stuff being done and it it just feels like for teenagers it's a particularly tough time because 
we were luckier in a sense we didn't I didn't grow up as a teenager with social media, so I only really saw like pop stars who might look a bit different to me, or maybe actresses if I'd been to the cinema. But now it's kind of everywhere. So yeah. you have to really make a conscious effort to go, I won't look at that, and have a bit of discipline around it, I guess. Yeah, and really like get the lie out of your head that this is easy and achievable, and like that some people just luck into like this kind of figure and well some people do luck into it what I'm trying to say is like get the lie out of your head that you there's something you can do very easily that will just if you just don't have that one cake suddenly you'll look like Mm. that or if you just buy this one product that like vibrates your tummy fat away then you will look like that Mm. like it's not like that those people they go to the gym like three hours a day and they starve themselves and all of this and they're probably not happier than you yeah well this is it i think noticing that equation and knowing it doesn't make sense is so important that all of these things that are to do with physically how we just look not about how we feel but how we look they don't equate to anything no it doesn't mean you're going to feel anything at all Probably just a bit more miserable, if anything. And I think knowing that is is a powerful thing. Yeah. And then, so let's talk, sticking with the sort of physicality of looking at sex, about our vaginas. Because, again, there's, you know, this is what a vagina should look like. This is what one shouldn't look like or one that might be wrong. And I think, first of all, many of us don't even know. I only sort of found out what it looked like down there when I got pregnant. And I started really <laughs> kind of going, what is going on down there? And, <laughs> And, you know, needing to kind of get to know that area. But sometimes we don't even want... We cut off from it slightly. Yeah, vaginas are weird because you, you have to, like, make an effort to look at it. Like, you have to, like, get on the get floor. Get a mirror. Go, yeah, like, <laughs> get your legs up. It's like it's like you have to really... You don't accidentally, like, catch sight of yeah, your vagina. And yeah. um, for most people, the only other vaginas they see are porn vaginas. Mm. And there's literally no other vaginas out there. Um and so, yeah, it's really hard to accept if your vagina doesn't look like a porn vagina to accept that that's normal. But it is. And it is like, you know, most people's vagina don't look like a porn vagina. And lots of porn actors have had like labiaplasties and like they put makeup on there and all oh different kind God of things. Almighty. Like vagina foundations. Yeah, they get it like new. bleached and shit. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not a normal vagina. I mean, there is no normal. It's just what you have is perfectly great. And yeah. that's what we all need to remember, whatever's going on down there. Mm. And I guess getting to know it a bit better is always a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Like, don't cut off from it and think it's like a weird part of our bodies that we shouldn't, you know, explore and understand. Have a look at it. Touch it. Yeah. Video it. Take a picture wherever you want. Yeah. And again, <laughs> like eradicate that shame of that being something that's an unusual thing to do. Yeah, totally. I like any other part of your body you'd want to have a look at. So why not your vagina? (laughs) (laughs) I I completely agree. So let's talk around the language that that we use now or or we hear around sex Mm. and um, and what your thoughts are on that. What you what you are there wrongs? You know, are there is there sort of wrong language to use? Is there correct language to use or should it be what suits you? Mm. What do you think? I definitely think just what suits you. I think like, yeah, language is just a tool for seeing how you feel. So whatever works with how you feel and whatever makes you feel sexy, I think is, it's fine. Because <laughs> in your book, you specifically said you like the words slut and slag. They're cool with you. You like those words. Yeah, I like to reclaim those words as like someone who slept with more than seven people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're, you're like, yeah, I'll have that. And I'm going to make it a positive Yeah, thing. I think it's sexy. When someone calls you a slut, it's like, Oh, you know, taboo. <laughs> you know, it's a bit like dangerous. transgressive. Yeah, I love it. 
So okay, so that's really interesting. So so when so it's perhaps not taking things personally if someone was to use that language around you and think about actually what that means oh, for I them think, saying it. I think it always comes from jealousy. Yeah. That is my... If, if someone calls you a slut, it's always because they're jealous. Mm. If they've always wanted to sleep with someone and not had the courage to ask them or whatever and it's just like... And then they're just jealous. So the judgment from other people comes from their own fear of not having had enough. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> or, or That's perhaps. what I tell myself anyway. Yeah. <laughs> But good, or perhaps because they feel like they've had too much, and that's why they're being judgmental. It's their own barometer of what yeah, maybe right. yeah. They've they've me. heard that word from somewhere else, and they mm. think they can put it on someone else to make them feel better. It's, it's a bad cycle. And again, why do you think those words are used predominantly with females rather than men? Why is there that disparity that the men could have multiple partners, and for women, it would be perhaps the wrong thing or an inappropriate thing? I don't know. Like, you know, there's always been a thing where men have a mistress on the side and it's kind of accepted. And, you know, if a woman sleeps with a man before marriage, it's like, ah, mm. <laughs> like that is a very like olden daisy idea. And I think these olden daisy ideas, they, they're, they're in our literature and our tales and our myths and they've influenced our psyche little bit by little bit more than we realise, I think. Mm. And also, I guess if... Um a woman has a younger partner than her whereas for a man to have a younger partner that is weirdly just seen as oh yeah he's got a really young girlfriend yeah there are all those Hollywood films where it's like 50 year old and 30 year old and yeah. it's like yeah beautiful it's Pretty never women. The, yeah the, the age difference is never mentioned yeah even but for it to be the other way around it would be noticed and it'd be like the film where the woman has a younger partner yeah or, cougars whatever. yeah yeah completely weird Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Um, let's talk about pleasure because pleasure's a funny thing we don't really talk about that much mm. you know we I think culturally we are all trained and conditioned to look at um, you know punishment around you know wanting lots of nice things for ourselves or trying to deny ourselves lots of nice things yeah and I think it goes for sex but also outside of sex I think with any kind of pleasure we, it's seen as excessive or too luxurious to want pleasure for yourself yeah it's, it's yeah I, I totally agree that we don't talk about having fun enough generally mm. it's always like what you should be doing what you should be doing what you should be doing and never like well just be content and have fun and what you can do basically do you think that goes back to wanting to fit in and wanting to just be like everybody else so we deny ourselves things to kind of you know, a bit of martyrdom perhaps to kind of be humble or whatever and I don't need all of that sort of stuff whereas actually we should be joy-seeking a bit more. Yeah, I think it goes back to like trying to like instill a work ethic in us and like so that we have like a feeling that if we're not constantly working and striving for something and like sacrificing something then we're not doing enough when actually like you can just do enough 
that you know so you can get by and then you can have fun with the rest of your time and you don't need to constantly be striving to make yourself better you can just be have fun and be happy in what you are right now because mm. again that's that's what we're we're being shown again through i guess you know commercially trying to be sold stuff that we should constantly strive to just be different and be better because we yeah. couldn't possibly just be us today as we are that's a weird concept i think for us humans in the modern age to kind of get our heads around as we all are right now we're fine yeah you don't you won't necessarily be happier if you buy that new outfit or lose that stone or whatever bleach it your is vagina. bleach your vagina yeah, yeah like maybe you'll be happier if you like you know eat that packet of biscuits have a wank and you chat with your friends yes <laughs> self-pleasure is a big one self-pleasure again for women is seen as something that we shouldn't talk about how many times have we heard you know blokes we know or when we were at school talk about wanking constantly mm. I mean, I've, I can name every male lovely friend I have, and it's something that would have come up in conversation at least once. But for a woman to admit any form of self-pleasure is seen as, like, I would say, people see it as a like, wrong, a secret, like a dirty secret. Yeah, it is. I feel like the kind of, the kind of new age of vibrators has made it a bit like cooler. Where it's like, yeah, buy a vibrator. That's a sexy, fun thing to do. On your hen do, you're going to be like, there's going to be loads of dildos around. <laughs> Woo. But it's like, you don't even need that. Like most of us were like secretly humping pillows when we were 14. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and that is like never talked about. No. It's really, yeah, it's and very normal strange. Because th those are the times also when you were a teenager when you need to explore all that stuff to understand how your body works because it's all... That's happening for the first time then. And again, like you say, it's... We don't talk about it. Crazy yeah. secret, like we're in the 60s. I talked earlier about how with feminist sex, like, it's all about having the sex that you want to have and not the sex that you should be having. And a lot of people find it hard to know, really, like, what sex do they want to have? And the best way of doing that is masturbation. Mm. What are you thinking about? What? How are you touching yourself? They are the things you want to incorporate into your sex life, probably. And then how would you advise people get the confidence to communicate that? Because it's one thing knowing it and going, right, I know that works for me. And mm. again, there's no wrong or right. Everything will be different. Everybody will will get pleasure, climax or not, in, in a different way. Mm -hmm. And there's no wrong or right. But how would you advise they get the confidence to then speak to their partner and say, I don't like that or, or actually this is this is going to work for me? Yeah, that is, like, really, really scary. <laughs> like, there's no, like, easy answer where it's, like... Yeah, it's really scary to... Especially if you've been with your partner quite a long time, to suddenly be like, I want to be having different sex. You know is... what you've been doing for, like, 15 years? That's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's ah, terrifying. Um, but, yeah, I think it is worth it for a happy relationship. And I think, you know, maybe don't start with that thing you do, I don't like it. Yeah. Like a phrase with like, I would love to do more of this. And it can be a sexy conversation. Mm. Like I would like recommend it probably happen. You know, don't bring this up mid sex. If the, if you want to try something new for the oh, first yeah, time. Oh yeah, not during. Not during. No. No, do it like, you know, after the kids have gone to bed, like, you know, pause the TV or whatever and be like, I want to have a chat about this. Um, but yeah, it is. If you phrase it in a positive way, like, you know, I want sex to become more part of our lives. Like, it's something I really enjoy doing with you. And, um, like, I feel like, you know, we re really reconnect and bond when we have sex. And I've been thinking about this fantasy I have, and I'd really like to incorporate it. That sounds like a positive, fun conversation. Mm. Um, and I'm sure that lots of people's partners 
would be happy to open up that dialogue more and are just waiting for an invitation. Yeah, I mean, it's more exciting than talking about who's forgot to go and buy milk or bread or bullshit you usually talk yeah, about exactly. after the kids have gone to bed or you finished work <laughs> or whatever. And And how important do you think sex is whether you're in a relationship or not because there will be some people and I've certainly been through phases when I felt mentally horrendous where you do feel very cut off from your sexuality Mm. you really can't even bear the thought of that being in your life so how important do you think it is and and if you're in that headspace do you think you you should kind of endeavor to to get yourself out of it to, to reconnect physically with what's going on um, I don't want to like give anyone any like shoulds about like what they should try and do with their sex life. I just want to like give people permission that if you are wanting to do something, then go for it. And that is, it's valid to want more sex. That's not an unreasonable desire, basically, to want better or more sex. And I think like this podcast is a lot about mental health, and I think a really like under had conversation is how sex makes us happy. Mm. And like we all know that feeling, like when you've got laid, where you're like oh my God, like you're fucking bouncing out the door tomorrow morning. Like the world is a brighter place. It can be raining, but it's sunny on the inside. Like if you've had great sex. And I feel like that conversation isn't had. Everyone's like, I'm sad. I'm like, go for a jog. You go for a jog does not work for everyone. I hate jogging. It really makes me miserable. It makes me feel so like crap. And like, I'm, I'm terrible at running. And so, you know, it doesn't work for me. But, like, if I'm feeling down, then if I, like, you know, okay, this afternoon I'm going to scrap my plans. On Sunday afternoon I'm not going to do my laundry. I'm going to have sex instead. And then afterwards you feel amazing. You feel like it's a, it's a brighter future. Well, there are chemicals released. There's, you know... Yeah, there's... It's, it's, it's like a drug, practically. Yeah, and, like, yeah. rebonding with a person like that or doing it on your own and just spending that time to just, like, have guilt-free free money-wise, non-calorie-consuming pleasure is, like, Mm. incredible. And also being a big stress reliever, because, again, it's weird that, you know, we talk about mental health, and I mean, I'm not talking about our podcast, but just in general, Mm. the conversations around mental health, there are these things that are thrown around, like jogging or, you know, being nature or whatever. And and like you say, those things might be brilliant for some and then for others, not at all. But sex is never mentioned. But we do know that chemically you know, things are released to to help relieve stress and to make us feel more joyful. But again, it's seen as a more kind of a reckless act or something that's, um, you know, not associated with well-being. Yeah, I find that crazy. Like, for me, I know... I never thought about it. (laughs) Like, I am not, like at top tip flow form if I'm not like getting laid on a regular basis Mm. and that is I don't think I should be like ashamed of that I don't don't feel like I should be like well I I have to be like you know if my relationship fails or whatever then I don't feel like I should have to like find myself on my own and be happy perfectly without sex because that's I'm just never going to be that person and I guess again for people that don't have a high sex drive because everyone's will be different again Mm. you know that also doesn't matter no. It's just kind of whatever, you know, when it does happen, brilliant. If it doesn't, it's it's not. Because I remember there was a big period of my life where I felt really awful. And even the thought of doing it, even if it would have been nice to do afterwards, I think emotions and sex are really difficult to pair sometimes yeah. because, you you know, you do need to be initially kind of in the right state of mind to get yourself, you know, either thinking along those lines or to be thought free so you can be purely physical so it can feel quite messy I guess at times in that way yeah it is complicated and for many people emotions and sex are very woven together and like the thing that's tricky about sex is that you if you have it with someone else 
wanking is generally like fine i mean like you know <laughs> no one's ever gonna like feel worse after a wank i yeah. don't think so like you know generally that's a very risk-free option yeah. in every way but if we're talking about sex with someone else then you are making yourself emotionally vulnerable often like if you have sex with someone then a lot of people feel an attachment to that person afterwards and then they could hurt you by you know not texting back or whatever and that is scary and it is good to like try and not put your self-worth in someone else and that's really tricky to be like okay i'm going to enjoy this sex as what it is and if they don't text back that doesn't mean i'm not worthy or mm. I'm worse, or I'm ugly, or I'm annoying, or whatever it is. Well, that's it, because we can associate um, sex like that with our self-loathing, if we're, if we're that way inclined. Because you know if there's a dynamic that pre-exists, you know, it could be an ex-partner, it could be a current partner, where any transaction with that person makes you feel bad, mm. that can be the most potent form of that. Because, you know, like you say, you're, you're vulnerable, and for a woman also, a lot of the time, it is... It, you know, it's it's all-encompassing experience, and and you know, if you know that that person doesn't give you what you're looking for, or it's not a balanced dynamic, that can that can be tricky. So I guess it's it's knowing what you're stepping into, knowing who that person is, and 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 what that dynamic could bring, and if it is going to be, it could be purely a physical situation yeah. that just feels joyful, but if it becomes mentally too tricky, then is it worth it? Yeah, sex isn't a risk-free act. I think that is something that I am very like open about. Like, There are risks associated with sex, both emotional and physical. There are like health risks and pregnancy for women is often there. But I think that there are lots of other activities that we really accept in our everyday life that have risks, that we don't let those risks stop us from enjoying them. Like, like jogging, you know, my mum broke her leg jogging. No Did one... she? Yeah. Philippa? <laughs> No one talks about that, like, you know, no one's yeah. like, I'm going out for a run, and people are like, be careful. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, true. Like, there are so many activities, like skiing. Yeah. People are always going skiing. Driving it's a car. It's so dangerous skiing. Yeah, yeah. You know, all these activities, like, do have and like going on holiday sometimes it's crap you get scammed you get you know yeah but we don't we don't talk about the risks there we're like yeah go for it it'll be great and i think with sex we really focus on the risks mm. and it is you know everyone should weigh up risks with whatever activity you're doing but sex is just another activity with risks it's those risks aren't necessarily any worse than lots of other activities where mm. we really accept the risks mm. a, a complicated but very important topic that you cover in the book that um we we've heard about a lot more in this last decade is consent mm -hmm. and you, i've had to write it down because you wrote something brilliant which was um so consent is all about human communication and that is of course messy and often unreliable mm. because we're humans and we don't always we're not always honest or or words are misunderstood or whatever so that's such a tricky area but Talk about your... Because I know you've got a clear definition of what you believe consent is. Do I? <laughs> well, I can't remember what I've written it down here. <laughs> if you say you feel you've been assaulted, that's assault. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I th that is the thing. Like, um, Sex is so personal and it is a form of communication and the most complex form of communication I think that humans can do, really. Um, and yeah, sometimes it goes wrong and sometimes you do feel like you've been assaulted. And if you feel like you've been assaulted, yes, that is assault. But I don't but that doesn't mean it's assault in the eyes of the law and they are two different things and I think that 
a lot of people get confused when people are like believe all women that that means prosecute all men and they're two different things like you know i believe that 99.9 percent who say that women who say they've been assaulted have been assaulted and we should just believe all of them because of that but i don't believe that we should prosecute all men that they accuse because i still believe in like the standards of the law and the like prosecution system and that you need evidence to send to punish someone and all of this kind of thing but that doesn't mean that we should not believe these women and not offer them the help and support they need to get back on their feet after this has happened to them Mm. and how i mean how does one regain confidence physically after feeling like you've been through something like that like that's a lot of healing to be had to then get confidence back it's like anything any physical trauma that we could go through in any way but with sex it does feel you know so tricky because again it's not spoken about enough. yeah um i just it's just such a big question i don't know like mm. there's not one answer i think most women can think of a time where their boundaries have been pushed or they've definitely been sexually assaulted and i think that even if you can't, if you speak to your friend, they definitely can. Like, it's just so commonplace that I think women are amazing that most of us have, like, managed to get through this and still enjoy sex despite all these negative memories that we have associated it. I think a lot of women, if you've had a really traumatic experience, don't even think of it as sex. That wasn't sex. That was just assault. Mm. And I think that, yeah, just separate them out and know that don't let that person who assaulted you steal joy from your life. Mm, yeah that's such a good point because nobody has the right to do that and that's yours to claim back is Mm. to find find that joy again in the book again you you cover um a lot of different subjects and you cover porn what what are your thoughts on pornography how people watch it the sort of porn that's out there what do you what do you feel about it um i think porn is, is such like a broad word like there is, I, I believe there is like, there is good porn and bad porn, I think, like, like all media that we consume. Um, and I think when people think of porn, they often just think of bad porn or what I think is bad porn. But I think basically, the, what, when I say bad porn, what I mean is lack of variety, really. Mm. Like if, you know. Cliche porn. Cliche porn. Yeah. If you open like Pornhub age 14 thinking, what is this porn thing everyone at school is talking about? Then you just get one type of porn on your feed. And it's, like, nothing you've ever seen before because we don't see it in, like, our everyday TV. And it's, like, wow, that's what sex is. And that's what's dangerous, that association Mm. with, like, this one type of porn. I'm talking about, like, skinny, usually white people with no body hair, having really rough sex, which is, like, a a very, like, male in power, women submissive dynamic. And, like, if that's all you see and that's what you think sex is, that's, that's dangerous. Yeah. Um, but, but porn on the whole isn't dangerous. Seeing other people have sex, that's fun. That's great. Like, And there is lots of porn out there if you do some creative Googling or you decide to pay for your porn or you look at, you know, basically use the drop-down menu on Pornhub. There's lots of different categories there. <laughs> and then you see, like, a lot more. Like, mm. You can go away from the front page. And that's great to see, like, you know, your fantasy played out in front of you. Great. Love it. Enjoy it all you want. But I think the dangerous thing with porn is that it's sex education for a lot of young people nowadays. That's the terrifying thing. I mean, and is that then just about having a very open communication with your teenagers and just 
talking about it, which for parents is kind of scary and a bit awkward, but so needed if that is in their lives. You just definitely need to tell, like, all teenagers or even, like, younger. I don't know when kids are starting to, like, have access to porn these days, but I think it's, like, scarily young, Mm. like, 10 years old. Like, you need to tell them, like, what you see in porn isn't what sex is. Mm. The majority of sex doesn't look like porn. It's like the equivalent of thinking that all jobs are like James Bond. Yeah. If you go to a job in the civil service, you are not going to be James Bond. And if you have sex, you're not. It's not going to look like porn. Mm. And and when you were growing up, I'm you know I'm imagining that both parents were quite communicative with you. I've spoken to your mum in depth, and she's given me some brilliant parenting advice. Literally <laughs> yesterday, is she in Australia still? She's actually she just gone to India. She's gone to India now. <laughs> she was emailing me from from Australia, giving me. I mean, she's so wise and brilliant on all these subjects but how communicative was she with you growing up and and did you feel that that was helpful and and has kind of led you to be this open about talking about sex um i wouldn't say that like my parents were like particularly communicative about sex i I grew up like pre-internet porn as well so like that wasn't a big scary thing when i was growing up either um and i think that it it wasn't like particularly different i don't think but definitely no topic was off limits and there wasn't a sense of shame associated with sex Mm. and like i was it was very much like you know if i brought someone over then my mum was like okay i'm closing my door and putting my earplugs in (laughs) (laughs) like you know like i don't want to know like you know you know everything's safe then it's fine you know there was no sense of like shame and did you feel you could go to her and, and freely talk about stuff and kind of bring up subjects that other kids might not feel able to do? I don't know. Like, I never did. Like, I think that like parents often, maybe they feel like they have to be the source of all information. And I think no kid really wants to talk about sex with, with their parents. So mm. it's good to be like, tell them the thing about like porn is a lie and be there if they want to ask questions but also like they might not want to ask you they probably would rather like google it or read it in a book or talk to their friends or like another adult in their life that isn't their mum yeah I was quite lucky my mum is very liberal in some ways and then weirdly strict about other things that (laughs) are just bizarre but I remember specifically sort of telling her in quite a joyful way I'd started my period because mm. for me it was like I'm a woman mm. and her being very celebratory about that and also when I lost my virginity I told her before anyone I think because I was a bit worried <laughs> like oh god that that happened and again that being really embraced and not you know she she didn't seem worried concerned or or I wasn't getting told off about it and that allowed me to always feel quite open about the communication around sex and it's as a parent it is hard but I think it's no bad thing to have that open line of conversation around it yeah definitely I think that is the important thing is that don't if your kid does come to you never like shame them or shut them down Mm. and actually we should talk about periods because I think for either parents listening to this or or um teenagers who are going through that now as a female I mean I've been having periods for a thousand years (laughs) It's never fun. It's never like a great time of my my month that I look forward to. You know, it has its complications and it's whatever. But again, I think being able to talk to other people about it, talk to your friends about it, and and again, there's no normal, wrong or right is is so important because it's something that we just again we don't talk about. We don't see it. You don't see period blood in films or on the TV or in books. It's like this weird, ignored thing. But it literally creates life and is there for a purpose (laughs) yeah totally i think that that is just 
the main message of my book is just talk more. Mm. Like, have these, like, open communication channels with everyone, like with your partner and with your friends. Talk about sex, talk about periods, talk about what your vagina looks like. And then we'll, like, together we will all feel less shame and more open and more able to ask for what we want, basically. Because shame is such a shitty thing to feel. And I'm sure everybody listening to this has felt shame. I've definitely felt shame about stuff in my life and things I felt might be judged or ridiculed or whatever. And I just think shame around sex just is... You don't need to carry it around like in a big backpack of shit. Like carrying shame around is, is such a horrible, horrible emotion to deal with. It just needs to go because yeah. we're all in the same boat. Shame and guilt are just not useful emotions no. for pretty much anything. No. Because like a lot of the negative emotions are there for a reason, I guess. You know, fear to save, you know, to keep us safe or or anger or whatever. But I think shame and guilt, like you say, they just can piss off. They don't, they don't need to be there. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, are you happy talking about your sex life and your relationship yeah. history? So Go you're bisexual. Uh-huh. Are you in a relationship now? Yeah, I have a girlfriend. Okay, and have you had long-term relationships? Did you do short ones? What did you have a, a thing? <laughs> yeah, I've had, I've had a mixture of both. Um, yeah, uh, my girlfriend lives with me now. We've been together for nearly ten months. Classic lesbians, quite an early move in. <laughs> <laughs> I did that with my partner actually. I think Jesse moved in after four. Oh yeah, oh, that's four nice. <laughs> I was pregnant in a year, so yeah, we really got to work. So uh, ten months, okay. Yeah, uh, before that, I, yeah, I lived with another girlfriend for nearly two years um i've had long-term boyfriend as well and lots and lots in between and how do you navigate moments within your relationships where you do feel uncertain worried lucky in confidence how do you approach those situations i think it's just talking like don't wait for it to become a big thing before you bring things up as well like that is if you've got like a little feeling in the back of your head where you're like, oh, should I say this? Just say it, I think. Like, it's nine times out of ten, it's better to say it. And then maybe the one time you should have kept it to yourself, then it's better to have like that one like tricky moment mm. than everything build up. And like, talk. And if you don't feel like you can talk about it with your partner, talk about it with your friend and see what they say. And they, they'll probably tell you, like, yeah, you should definitely tell your partner about this. What about sex drive imbalance? If one partner's got a really high sex drive and the other doesn't? Yeah. This is like, I think, the number one relationship quibble that lots and lots of people have. Um, I talk about how it's not useful to think of a big sex drive and a little sex drive. The model, um, there's a great psychological model, <laughs> which uh, is really useful to think about. It's having a sex break and a sex accelerator. And things that turn you off, push your sex break. And things that turn you on, push your sex accelerator. And everyone has different levels of sensitivity for their break and accelerator. And I think if your partner comes to you and is like, I want to have more sex. like I feel like you've been rejecting me a lot lately and it's making me feel really bad. Don't dismiss them. Don't be like, you know... That, that's a valid want basically like you know they they want more sex that's okay like you you should you know not should try to accommodate that but you should talk about it and see if you can accommodate that um and i think that basically if you're not wanting sex if you're noticing a lack of interest in sex in yourself think is too much hitting my sex break do i have too much turn-offs and turn-offs might be hang-ups about your body they might be usually are stresses from like everyday life you don't feel like you have time to have sex you're always tired um are you just like you know not feeling it right now you angry with your partner because of something and that resentment is turning you off 
or is not enough hitting your sex accelerator like the novelty of new naked body is worn off do you need something more do you need to do some dirty talk do you need to like watch some porn together maybe try something out like whatever it may be that turns you on and having that conversation like okay this is hitting my sex break and this is hitting my sex this is what i want to hit my sex accelerator is a good conversation to have with your partner i think mm, i love that it's um it takes the pressure off rather than it being like a large and a small yeah you know sex drive it's cuz that feels lacking instantly that one person's wrong or lacking but i think that's really nice to look at it and then it becomes a bespoke practice of oh this is what, you know, like you say, like stress and tiredness and all those things have such an impact on you in that way. So that's such a lovely way to look at it. Um, also, can I just say that another thing that is great if you have that imbalance is masturbation not being taboo within your relationship. Yeah. Like if someone's like, I want to have sex tonight and the other person's like, oh, I'm really not feeling it. It's okay for that person to like wank. Mm. either like go in another room and have a time on their own or do it right next to you and you can like maybe like join in a little bit if you want like yeah it shouldn't be that you just have to deny yourself if you're the partner that wants more sex that's a very good point a very good point is this like i know that there's lots of people talking about this sort of thing but you feel like for me a real maverick like voice for for open-minded and people that you know want to have a, a big conversation about sex and there's not that many of them out there publicly talking about it mm. we're seeing again now lots more people sort of advocates for mental health positive body image especially on especially on instagram where that's where the majority of people are seeing the images that you know inspire them or 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 motivate them is this going to be a whole new movement now that we're seeing online on Instagram that people are going to be talking about sex and, and, and losing the shame and losing the guilt? And if so, you know, do you follow these people? Who are they? <laughs> uh, maybe. I hope so. I follow like loads of people, obviously, that talk about sex. I follow like a lot of vibrator brands. And if you okay. follow vibrator brands, often they're like tagged like influencers. They like, you know, it's all like lots of people... Alex Fox is great. She tweets a lot. Um, some like porn stars who talk about this in like a more kind of open, relaxed, real way, I mm. suppose. There's lots of people out there. And then like I Unbound Babes is like the vibrator brand that posts really good memes. Okay. <laughs> about sex. <laughs> uh, they're a great follow. Well, look, Flo, thank you so much. I, as I said, I loved reading your book. I felt it was really like nurturing to read but also at times hilarious and that for me is like the perfect book so thank you and keep doing the brilliant work that you're doing thank you for having me thank you Flo her brilliant book Flo How to Have Feminist Sex is available now go check it out thanks to everyone who's been leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts we do read them all and crucially other people do too so help us reach other like-minded souls by telling people about your favorite episode of happy place and seriously i really massively appreciate it do find out who's on next week's show by looking for clues on instagram at happy place official also if you would like to look at a painting i've done of flow then you can you just need to head to my instagram which is at fern cotton thanks again to flow to the producer matt hill at rethink audio and to you for listening I'll see you Monday.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.